As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. This one, obviously, the big one. Our last one before the 2022 NHL Draft. We are on site in Montreal. Corey, a lot of buzz so far this week, and I want to start the show right at the very top uh, with really kind of conflicting info that's coming out around here about what the Montreal Canadiens are going to do with the first overall pick. Yeah, I would say going into the draft right now, 55% 55% of my, of my information around the league are saying they're going to take Uri Slavkovsky. 45% are saying they're going to take Shane Wright. It's conflicting information, and I had a, a good friend of mine works in the league saying when it's conflicting information, it means nobody really knows, and they're probably talking out of their ass a little bit. And so we'll see what happens uh, come draft day, who they ultimately end up picking. I do think talking to people around the league, though, not about who they think, who they think Montreal is going to take, but talking about who they think is the best player, it does feel like things are trending in the way of, of Slavkovsky into a more of a majority opinion, or at least that I would, because Logan Cooley is also in that picture, I would say less than 50% of NHL personnel believe that Shane Wright is the best option. And that's why you're seeing this very legitimate debate 
going on right now at the top of the draft. And I think that debate has maybe gotten in some ways written off as, you know, media, you know, stoking the fire and all right, that. That's bullshit though. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I, I think it's, it's good for people to hear that this is uh, the dialogue around league circles too. Okay. But the aspect of this conversation that interests me is, okay, Montreal is going to have, you know, some, in, uh, they'll, they'll reach some decision by draft day tomorrow on who they think is I the hope. best player. You would hope, uh, Oh boy, be embarrassed and take a timeout at first overall. Uh, but the question to me is, how far does the gap have to be uh, in order for Montreal to pass up the exceptional status, Ballyhooed Canadian in their home building at first overall? Does it, is it just, if there's an inch of separation, that's the guy? Does it have to be a significant gap? It's a good question, and it's something that you know a lot of people in the league are, are talking about. I don't know exactly in that room how that, that's, that is weighing in. Something that we've all talked about, you know, the, the hosting thing, the the fact, you know, they have the first pick. People are going to be probably walking into the stadium with with Shane Wright jerseys, Shane Wright Habs jerseys, mind you. They might get booed. I've heard all the, the theories and stuff like that. I still think you got to take the best player because if if you take the best player and six, 12 months from now, you're proven right, nobody cares. Nobody's going to remember what happened on draft day. Never mind if, let's say Shane Wright is not the first pick. If he's not even the second pick, which I think is is possible, that people really won't care. These are all hypotheticals. I, I get the doomsday scenario. I get the doomsday. You pick Slavkowski, you pick Cooley. Shane Wright's in the NHL next year in a in a Devils or a Coyotes jersey. And he's putting up 60 points, and he looks like a star. And the firing guns at the head of Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes before they're even halfway through their first season. I, I understand that scenario that, that you... That, I, that I've heard from, from many people. I don't know, man. I think you just got to take whoever you think the best player is. I mean, that's your job as hockey people is to, and I've heard like rumors and I saw TSN's Darren Drager reported earlier today that they, that ownership is getting involved in this decision. I've heard that speculation before too. It, I just think you got to take the best player and whatever happens a little bit like booing, whatever, if it's not presuming it isn't Shane, right? Which it very well could be. I think you got to live with those. You just got to live with it. A conversation that we've had a couple times this week so far already is that this, I mean, I, I know that Craig Custins and Sean Gentile talked about a similar thing on, on their show recently about kind of the, the different directions that the draft can take here. And I guess in some ways that's true everywhere, you know, it, it's path dependency, all that. But it seems to me that if, if Montreal takes Shane, Wright, It could be a very chalk top five to 10. I, I'd agree with that. I think, I think Slavkovsky is the devil's guy. So they would go after him at two. And I don't know for sure that Logan Cooley is Arizona's guy, but that's been my information so far. And then I think you would see Simon Nemish go fourth to Seattle and then Cutter Goche go five. So I think, yes, it would be rather chalk in that instance. But if Slavkovsky goes one. Things get interesting. Yes. So you have the devil's trade scenarios. You have the devil's. And I know we'll get to your mock draft in a minute. You've got them with David Juracek in the most recent mock. That strikes me as either of those two could really throw all kinds of different twists in. Right. I mean, and this is the kind of thing where it's interesting when we talk about the Shane Wright scenario one, because I think he is, listen, on my list, he's number two. I have him in a near neck and neck with Slavkovsky for several months now, uh, even projecting the world championships. I think he's a great, great player. But, and we've had this conversation with league personnel in Montreal here. There are people around the league who are, who are not right believers, who if they had whatever, a second, third, fourth overall pick, they wouldn't be excited to, to select him there, I would not say that's the majority of people I talk to, but there's enough of those people out there where it creates, like kind of, I mentioned, a, a possibility that if he is not the first pick, I can't tell you with confidence where he goes. 
And you figure at some point somebody is either going to just say, okay, we're taking him or, or tra- trade, trade. Exactly. Trade up. With New Jersey being the most, the one that I think of the most of, if he goes, Slavkovsky goes one and he's still there too, you got to imagine there's somebody out there, whether it's organization I can think of, like Detroit, like Buffalo, uh, you know, I can think of a couple others that really need a premium young center. They'll be like, yeah, let's just, let's go make that move, get New Jersey whatever they want because they, they're looking to move that pick anyways. I'll tell you, I do think that it's still going to go the chalk route. Right. But I got to say, I'm kind of pulling for that for that alternative route because it'll make for a really interesting night here. I mean, at this point, I'm done guessing. Like, it's, I mean, because I'm trying to do the best reporting I can, but it's hard. It's harder to do it in the NHL than it would be like in the MLB draft where you have to, whether well, it's agreements. Yeah, exactly. That. That, the rumors get out who the agents are negotiating with. This is all, you know, it, it's, it's, there's some reporting aspect to it. It's a late, but it's like, it's like layers of hearsay almost. So you don't, you don't always know how reliable the information is. So I do the best I can, but I'm not going to say with confidence. I know what's going to happen at one tomorrow and you know, we'll, we'll see when Montreal's on the clock. Not to, not to, you know, belabor this into the ground, but you know, Montreal people have in, in fans. I mean, uh, when I say this have not maybe responded the most uh, openly to the idea that it could be someone other than Shane, Wright. Right. If if the pick tomorrow is Uri Slavkovsky or even Logan Cooley, but let's say it's Slavkovsky for now, what do you think ultimately at the end of the day? What what would be your message to to Montreal fans? Why why should they uh, be still like, very excited? Well, again, I think he's the best player in the draft, and obviously Montreal would do that if they think he's the best player in the draft. And there's a reason, as I said earlier in the show, that a majority of NHL scouts I'm talking to right now think he is the best player in the draft. Uh, he has a very unique athletic toolkit. There are not a whole lot of guys who are six, four, six, four and a quarter, whatever he is, can skate the way he does have the high end offensive skills that he does. The goal scoring ability he does. He looks like he should be a star. He didn't produce like one this year. And that's the thing that everyone comes back to very reasonably, but he looks like he's an NHL star. And there were select moments this year where he played like a guy who was going to be an NHL star. And I think he's really the only guy in this class you can say both of those things about. That he looks like he's going to be a star, and there's at least been times this season where he's played like a star. And there's nobody else in this draft class you can say both of those things about. Well, just to pull you back to, you know, I take people behind. We were just having a conversation at lunch on this very topic before we recorded here, and we talked about the value of, and sometimes the international, I think, gets downplayed in the public sphere because it's small sample, et cetera. But you look at two of Slavkovsky's shining moments over the course of the last year, the Olympics and the World Championships, and it's not just that he produced in those events. It's that the quality of competition there is quite high. Sure. And I would say even probably higher than Liga. Especially the World Championships. Even right. People make the, the stupid point about how he produced against all the, the bad teams. And it's not stupid. It's valid. But I would bet if you just did it with like with, – I bet every single player's points come sure. against the bad teams. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. I would actually love to know a prospect who produces more against the, the top three teams in his league. Than, I, in the NHL, too. Yeah. Like, that's how it works. People produce like, the stupidest argument. But but anyways, <laughs> yeah, go on. But I, 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 think that, I think it was a really good point that you made that when you when you see – uh, a guy like Slavkovsky produced not just international competition, but against top international teams. It takes a lot of the guesswork out because they're already playing against NHL players. You want to know what they're going to look like in the NHL? Well, you look at what Slavkovsky did against Team Canada. He's just doing it against right. basically he, the NHL. He didn't put up many points, but he looked like he belonged. He, yeah. he was playing against NHL players, and he looked like I'm making a difference, and I'm 18 years old. 
And yes, now you're like, okay, well now I can plant you. I can watch you do this and I can envision planting you in an NHL lineup tomorrow and you're doing the same thing. You won't be high in an NHL lineup right away. I presume you'll be like a second or a third liner kind of, you know, how a lot of, not the most of the non-high-end guys have been in the league right away. But I think he can, you look at that, you think he's going to be in the NHL right away and he can help our team right away. And you're hoping as he matures, he becomes a great player with time. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's move into the mock draft now. A lot of good info. And I would encourage people, if you haven't read this yet, go check it out, not just to see who your favorite team has slotted where, but you, you drop great little tidbits into the blurbs. And one of the ones that jumped right off the page to me came at number two, where you put in the tidbit about New Jersey and the possible consideration of Marco Casper as high as two. That strikes me as a as a big one. And I don't know that we're going to call it, li- we're not going to call it likely, but it's an interesting tidbit that I think is revealing of something that we, you know, have continued to have conversations about this week uh, here in Montreal, which is that, you know, Marco Casper is, is a player who's going to get real attention in that top 10. Oh, I mean, I think he's a lock to go in the top 10 from everything I'm hearing. And yeah, I mean, we talked to some NHL personnel the other day who say that, you know, said he has a chance to be a top five guy. And we'll see where, what ultimately happens on draft day. But I mean, there are big fans of this player. You Look what he did at those world championships in the SHL playoffs, playing a regular shift all season for a top SHL team in Rogla. This is a legitimate prospect and a guy who whose stock has just kept going up and up as the season has gone along. And I'm not sure he's going to go at two. I've heard rumors about him in New Jersey going back to before they won their lottery. Um, and I always kind of figured that he was kind of out of the mix since, since they got the second pick. And I, I don't expect he's likely going to be their pick if they keep it. But he's a guy I've had several people around the league tell me to don't be surprised if this happens. And... And that's why I kind of put it in the blurb there. But you do have Juracek as obviously the pick there. So that's still the, maybe more of the expectation. And then obviously the, the the trade scenarios. At number five, Philly strikes me as another kind of pivot point. And we talk about kind of the the established top six. You've got them with Cutter Gauthier. Uh, how confident would you say you are that Gauthier is off the board uh, at number five or later? I, I would say I'd be kind of surprised if he's still there after five. Like, there's a lot of big Cutter Gauthier fans right now in the league. Talking to people in Montreal this week, like I knew the cutter buzz was real, but it's really real. Like I, I'm, I'm not even 100 sure he's there by Philly's pick. Uh, but I would, but I think if he is there at Philly's pick, I, I think from everything I'm hearing, that's their guy. Uh, Nathan Gauthier, another kind of riser, and, and I think you have him at 13 in this one. Yes, uh, and it sounds like there is some love for him in that range, 10 to 15. Like it may not just be at 13. 
Right. I, I don't have it as rock solid as, as maybe the, when you get to that point in the draft, the teens. I just, yeah. I just know that there is significant interest in this player from people around the league. I don't know whether it'll be 13 or 14 or 15 or 18 or, or something along those lines. But I, I do know around the league, there's a lot of interest in this player, uh, you know, big two-way center. Uh, the, the people who, there's divisions on him. The scouts who aren't as big on him just don't buy the offense. And the scouts who think there is enough offense there are are going are going to bat for him pretty significantly right now. What about Noah Oslin, who's who's a guy who really since the World U18 tournament has been a riser in this mock? You've got him at 15. I think you had him, Jim, in the same spot in the previous mock like yeah, a week or two ago. I did same thing with Goshe. But he's another guy who it, it just seems like is going to be you know if if you're not caught up on the Noah Oslin hype, you should do it in the next 24 hours because it's it's getting there. Yeah, he's a he's a first round lock at this stage. I would even say not a lock, but a strong chance to be a top 20 pick. Uh, in the draft, and yeah, to your point, it's really been a, a rapid rise for him. And I think even the teams that are big fans of him will admit they didn't have him in in the in the high spots they had him in before the U18 World Championships. A lot of minds were slowly changing. He had a really strong second half there in the J20s uh, in Sweden. Then they're they're being the the junior league they play in, but it was really after the U18 World Championships where he had the ten points and he was a big time player, playing huge minutes on that team that won the gold medal there. Uh, for Sweden against the United States, uh, that his stock really started to rise. I'm starting to hear the term, like, hey, this guy's, you know, could be a top half of the first round candidate, and uh, that's my projection at the moment. Reed Schaefer, another one of those risers through this process, obviously on the back of a really strong WHL playoff run. We had a great conversation about him last night, and, and what can he be? And I, I liked what you said. You know, how similar is this to a Matthew Nyes a year ago? Right, not the current version. Correct. But I, I looked at Nyes, and like the criticism was the skating. The production, and I'm not, I'm not sure. Like this is the most naturally offensive, gift, gifted player in the world, uh, but he had size, he had competitiveness, and you still thought there is some offense here. And that's kind of where I think I am with Schaefer. Is I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's the fastest player in the world. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's the most skilled or the smartest hockey player in the world. But I think there's enough skill there. You can shoot the puck really well. He's highly competitive and physical. You know, he's even bigger than Nyes. I think he's around 6'3 or so. Great net front presence. And I just think those combination of qualities make me think he is going to go in the first round and could go higher than people expect. No matter what shakes out tomorrow night, one of the big stories coming out of the Bell Center is going to be what happened with the top Russian prospects. Absolutely. And what are you hearing? What's the latest on that? I know I asked Steve Eiserman yesterday about this. He said they're organizing their list the same way. I'd be curious if that means they're willing to still make the pick in the order it is right. on their well, list. Well, you're the Eiserman expert. He doesn't know. <laughs> he does. He he kind of talks in code sometimes, yes, right? Right. And so he said they're organizing their list in the same way. He also, in the same press conference, did acknowledge the the uncertainty that this year. And and obviously, how could you not? But I'm curious. Like you know, it's one thing to to put your list and say we're still ranking them the same way. It's another, and you're on the clock to go up there and make a pick uh, with the way things are right now. Right. And the news with. The who was going to be the projected backup goalie in Philadelphia, Ivan Fedotov, uh, you know, being uh, being uh, um, arrested in, in in Russia over the last week, made its way around NHL circles very quickly, and it's been a big talking point among NHL people I've been talking to over the last couple of days. Uh, it's a legitimate concern. I feel like, based on my conversations, it feels like with Pavel Mitnikov, who played in, who played in Saginaw this season and did not go back to Russia during the offseason. I 
feels like teams are not as appro- approaching him with this with the same degree of caution. It seems like this guy is committed to being in North America. He doesn't want to go back to Russia. You don't feel like there's these various risks as much as the other players. There are some teams that are, are still giving him the same level of scrutiny as the other Russian prospects, but I feel like his stock is not going to be as affected as Danila Yurov and Ivan Morosnachenko. As we get closer to draft day, I've I moved them both down on my mock quite a few spots from, from my previous one, and I'm just sensing a lot of cold feet right now among those top Russian prospects. If Miroslav gets out of the first round, I'm not going to blink. Even if Daniela Yurov gets out of the first round, I'll be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be overly surprised. I, I think there's understandable apprehension right now when it comes to those two for different reasons, but still, but, but similar reasons in some respect too. I still look at Buffalo, Arizona, maybe to a degree Montreal, these teams that have so many picks in, in that range that can afford. I know you, you always want to get the, get the best player, but the talent level that we're talking about here, especially with Yurov and, and Mira Shoshenko, like it, it, that one, by the time you're in the late twenties there, I have to think one of those teams, if, if you, if you miss the pick completely and, and you never get the player, so be it, but it's such a swing. I have to think one of those three teams at least takes the swing. If I was in that position, I agree with you. And that's probably what, what I would lean to doing is, especially with Yurov, at some point you do it. I would it's probably around 20 for me, if I'm being realistic. You, the next best player will just not even be close to him in terms of ability. So I would take the swing. It's easier for me to say when, it's, when I'm not the one who gets fired if, if he doesn't come over. But, uh, but that, would be my, that would be the way I was leaning. The, the devil's advocate argument I've heard to that, it's a very common argument. I've heard about about whatever it is, Montreal, Seattle, Buffalo, Arizona. And I had someone, one person from one of those organizations tell me, yes, we have a lot of picks, but we have a lot of picks because our, but our teams are, our, our team isn't good. And we had to trade a lot of players and we need to, we need to fix, fill those roster spots at some point. So when you get a high pick, you want to make sure you're actually getting an NHL player at some point. And I, that might seem like a safe, argument that doesn't appeal to fans, but that's definitely something that these teams think about. It's a legitimate argument, and I, I certainly get that it's way easier to speak from from this seat right here uh, at the hotel and, and say these things, but I do think you can fill the roster spot. Like, like It's not to say that you can't find really good players in the 20s, but one of those players would be Danila Yurov, and he is closer to the type of player you can't just go out and get than a lot of other guys that are going to be available from 20 to on. I agree, and I would do it. And here's again the argument I hear back is that when you're picking in the twenties, usually the way NHL draft boards work is you're going to have one or two players in your top twelve, your top thirteen that are probably still going to be available. And then you're almost you're going to be nearly even though the statistics show what you're saying that when you get to the twenties, the failure rate increases substantially. The chance of you getting an impact player decreases substantially but in the minds of those nhl teams they still think they're getting a top 12 player in the draft in, in the 20s or a top 13 player or whatever so their argument would be well we can get our 12th rated prospect or we can get our eighth and he's and has a khl deal and i think a lot of those teams are going to lean 
to the to the former route in the, in that scenario. Would you include Minnesota in that group? They don't have three, but they've they just picked up a second first round pick at nineteen and twenty four. Do they belong in that group of, of multi pick teams? I, I think so because I think they have they have they got they have two second rounds too because of the Philip Johansson uh, comp the comp pick. So they've got four picks in the top two rounds. All right, so let me go through and let me just read you a few players. Uh, you can you can role play as GM of any of those teams I just mentioned, or you could tell me which ones you would you would make the pick as. Uh, you're at 21. No, sorry, that's that's Pittsburgh. You're at 19. Minnesota. Are you taking Yurov? Are you taking Nazar? Are you taking uh, Denton Matechuk, Rucker McGrory, Liam Ogren? Where'd you go there? I think at 19, you're probably again just my personal list. You're probably still hoping somebody's somebody nearly as good is there. You're probably twisting your arm a little bit at that point, but you're really hoping somebody nearly as good is there. I would say at 19, it seems unlikely. I think when you start getting to like the mid to late 20s, whereas you know it's, it's Montreal's second pick, it's Buffalo's third pick, it's Arizona's Arizona. second pick. That's when, as if I was a GM, that's when I would start thinking about that one more seriously. But I think at 19, you're still hoping for a top four defenseman, a legitimate top six forward, maybe even a top six center at that point. You know, you that's still really high in the draft. Who goes first, Yurov or Brad Lambert, who who you've got, I think, at 28 to the Sabres in the most recent mock? That's like, man, that's like 50-50, right? Because I think everyone know everyone, I think most people would agree Yurov's the better player. And but both acknowledge, I think you would anyone acknowledge that they both have risks, different kinds of yep. risks. You know, Lambert seems to find a new team every six months, and Yurov obviously has you know his him being signed to a KHL contract. If I was in that position, I would probably take Lambert first. But that being said, you know I have I have Yurov high on my list, higher on my list, and I incorporated the Russian variable into that, but I didn't incorporate this newest information into it, and maybe it's a bit of a recency bias. But this Fedotov thing is scary, man. Like. And that's kind of the issue with, with the Russian situation is Russian players are being signed to NHL deals right now. now. Obviously, the most prolific of them being Kuzmenko came over from the KHL. Right now, for the most part, the visa situation is not an issue. Right now, for the most part, you can get these guys signed. That's what just happened with Fedotov is kind of the crux of the issue is there's unpredictability. There's chaos going on in that part of the world right now. Right now, things are fine, but you draft Yurov and two years from now, it may not be fine all of a sudden. So in that, again, to answer your question, I think I would lean Lambert. It is interesting. I mean, we didn't know the Fedotov thing. I don't know if people had that on their radar as a possibility two weeks ago. But that's what I mean. It's like, there's, who knows what could happen? Yeah. You know, we're, there's, a, there's a war going on. There's all kinds of international relations issues going on right now. These are things that not, neither you or I have any degree of expertise to talk about. And neither do these NHL teams, mind you. So I understand why if you're an NHL Andrew, you're just like, fuck it. Take the next guy. You know, you know, why, why am I, why are we voluntarily signing up for this headache? I want to steer us to the mailbag in a minute. Any closing thoughts on the mock draft that I didn't bring up or anything you've heard? I know this published, you know, uh, eight hours ago. Now I've seen you on the phone. Plenty, any, any extra things you want to add in before we move on to the mailbag? It's, it's nothing, nothing that's substantial. We're just circling back to the number one for a second. Uh, you know, I I published what I think is the most likely scenario, but it's definitely not one that I'm confident about. And I say this, I probably can see some fans thinking that I'm like in the anti-Shane Wright crowd, which I am 100% not. I think Shane Wright is an excellent player. 
And whether it's Shane Wright or Uri Slavkovsky on, on Thursday night, I think Habs fans should be ecstatic about either player because I think both of them are guys I project become core foundational players uh, in the NHL for a very long time. I, w- I would absolutely second that. And that goes back to something we talked about last night too. If you get Shane Wright, and I realize there may be some less sizzle today than there would have been when yeah. we had him on the podcast in training camp, for example. I think you're still getting a top six center who's going to be a big part of your team for a long time. And I think maybe he doesn't have, no, I, I think, I don't think the upside has dramatically changed. I think the certainty has, has dropped from what it was, but I don't think the upside is gone that you could still have like a 30 plus goal scoring detailed two way center, which to me sounds like a number one. I think he has the potential to still be a star in the national hockey. Like I don't think that reality is gone. It's, I'm not as confident about it as I, as I was 12 months ago, but I think that reality is still there. Just like how I think with Slavkowski, despite his middle in production in TPS, I think he has potential to be a star too. I, I don't subscribe to the theory that this is, it's a below average draft class, but below average draft classes produce NHL stars. And sometimes they come, people will always point to 2017. Oh, it's going to be McCarr or Pedersen. It's going to be four or five. But 2014 was a below average draft. And Aaron Ekblad is a monster. He would love to have Aaron. He was on my Norris ballot this year. He's an absolute monster. Below average first overall pick, I would argue. Not the sexiest, number one. But any NHL team would love to have Aaron Ekblad right now. And it's possible this could be the next Aaron Ekblad. And I think to your point about 2017, even the Nico, you obviously know Makar, Pedersen, Haskinen. They went 3-4-5. Yes, they would go uh, in in some order, 1-2-3 in a redraft. Nico Heischer is is a great player to have in the New Jersey Devils. 2011 was a below average draft. And yeah, if you redo that draft... Kucherov's going to go yep. high. You have Dougie Hamilton. You have Mark Scheifele in there who's going to go higher than that. They have picked. But the number two pick in, in that draft wasn't the sexiest player, but he just raised the Stanley Cup over his head a couple of weeks ago. Yep, absolutely. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, let's go into the mailbag now. Uh, this one, first one is from Ernie Morris. He says, there seems to be a somewhat consensus top six. Which player could break up the party and bust into the top six that we're not talking about in that group? 
we talked about Marco Casper. Yep. That's the one I've heard the most often mentioned. The, if I had to pick number two, it would be Jonathan Lekromaki. I think there's a minority opinion out there among NHL teams that this guy has game-breaking skill. I personally haven't witnessed that when I've watched him, but there are some people out there that feel like this guy's going to be an elite goal scorer. He has elite skill. This is a future first line, power play one, highlight reel type of player. And so those are the two that I would mention. When we talk about those guys, are we talking about at six in your mind, or are we talking about him at five, at three, at two, et cetera? The scenario where I'm not 100% sure is, I've done mock drafts where we got in Goche to six. I've done mock drafts where we got in Simon Nemich to six. If Yerichek is there at six, like let's say it's, let's say it's the chalk scenario where Wright, Slavkovsky, Cooley, Nemich go one to four, and then Goche goes five. I'm not a hundred percent sure Columbus is taking Yerichek at six. Interesting. So, so that's that's the one where I think there could be some. I think people think I think it would still be the most likely scenario just because the, the pressing need for young defense in that organization. You know, there's been. I've seen the trade rumors on, on, on online about them being linked to Chikrin. I don't know whether that would affect anything or not, but that's the one I, I just, based on the information, I haven't gotten that one rock solid. I've gotten the Nemich one rock solid. I've gotten the Goche one rock solid. I haven't gotten the, the, Go, the year check one rock solid. So that's a possibility. And I think, I think New Jersey at two or whoever they, you know, is kind of a bit of a wild card here. I, I can't tell you with, with certainty what they're going to do. Um, and I, I'm, I'm still a little uncertain on Seattle too, to be quite honest. Like I think there's, I still think it'll be something like it'll be either Nemich or, or Cooley or, or something along those lines, but I can't sit here and tell you that I have that team down rock solid either. David says, do you think NHL scouts give extra points to centermen? Similar to the conversation we've had on the show before about you know, the, the, the best player, the most valuable player, the distinctions there. Uh, centers are hard to come by. Do you think NHL scouts give extra points to centers? Yeah, I think they do. I think when you're grading the, they won't. How do I put this? I don't think they're boosting a guy up in their overall ratings uh, on their on their like their tool scale because he's a center. But the way I think most team operates, to my understanding, is they'll all have a, ch- a checklist or a scale for tools that they use and. And they grade guys out, and they and kind of spits out a projection at, at the end, or something, something similar to to that. And that's a kind of a rough overview. All thirty-two teams will do things differently, but I, th- I've always been understanding if it's close, you take the center of the defenseman. It's how teams tend to operate. And we've talked in the past, like sometimes, like a third-line center and a second-line wing can be of comparable value. Exactly right, and I think that kind of comes up in the this conversation has come up numerous times in the context of the first overall pick where I've said, I think it's close. And they're like, well, why don't you put right at one? And I said, it's close because he's a sender. If he, if he wasn't, it, I think Slavkovsky would have a pretty firm grip on this. Um, and, and sometimes the winger is just better. It's just a better player. I don't think that's the case in this scenario. But again, we mentioned 2011. Landon Cox is a better player than Nugent Hopkins. Would you take Taylor Hall or Tyler Sagan? Over the course of their career, I would probably lean Hall. Got one MVP and more productive career, even though there's been there's been significant ups ups and downs yep, for both. Yeah, for sure. You know, you can there's there's other examples we we can go to as well. You know, 2018, clearly the best forward in that draft was a winger. 
we had a good conversation about Lafreniere and Stutzla and just a couple of years old in the draft yeah. today. Right. I would still lean Lafreniere. I understand that the argument for Stutzel still, but it's it's definitely a lot closer than it was on draft day. But you know, there were there worked out that happened with Lafreniere and Byfield. There were scouts I talked to who yep. said that I want the center, I'm taking Byfield, and the Rangers concluded, no, we think Lafreniere is the better player. And at least so far, I would argue they're right. Byfield has not done anything to disprove that by any means. So, but so I, I get that. Sometimes in you know, Dylan Strome versus Mitch Marner, another example. But, and, but there's many times where the center is the most valuable player, and it's the harder player to trade for, arguably. So I understand that sentiment for sure. Should we read anything into the fact that uh, Jeff Gordon's been at the very top of the draft in the past? He went with the winger both times, Lafreniere and Kako? I have no idea what to read. I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I, All right, no I, more Montreal. No, 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 it's no, fine. no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> Like Ken Hughes at a press conference a couple of days ago, he was like being asked a bunch of questions, and the fuck, like the amount of tea leaves people were reading into that press conference was hilarious. Uh, there was, I saw, I was like seeing like the the public discussion about it. it was I was because I was just, I was bored. I was amusing myself. I was like, oh, he said he wants upside. That means that guy. Oh, he wants character. That means he wants that guy. It was ridiculous. <laughs> They're not dropping breadcrumbs for us to figure it out. They're just trying to get through the presser without <laughs> without tipping their hand. Uh, Vaughn Strick says if Bedard, Mitch Coven, Fantilli. We're draft eligible on Thursday. Where do you think they'd go in the draft? I know you don't always love looking ahead a year here, but I think this is interesting, yeah, especially uh, when it comes to Mitchkov. And I've done enough homework on those guys to where I feel comfortable at least roughly asking that question. But Dar's number one. It's not even a conversation. It's, it's number, he's, number, he's number one with a bullet. Mitchkov is complicated because on pure ability, he's two in that group. But man, you've got now this. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Mitch Kovac just so much over the next twelve months for this issue. Signed and through the two thousand and twenty six KHL season, plays in Russia with the situation going on in Russia, and the fact that he plays for such a powerful organization at SKA. I think he's the second best player, and I think I think I would still have him too because the drop off between him to the next best guy is so large, in my opinion. Take a lot of guts to make that pick, though. If you had the whatever the second overall, even next year, if you have a second overall pick, take that guy. It's going to take less unless something really changes in the world in a short period of time. It's going to take a lot of guts to make that pick. Well, and he's an 04 birth year, right? Yeah, late 04. So he was very, teams were very nearly going to have to be making the choice of whether to take him number one this, this year. Yeah. Now, now, yeah, if he was born a few weeks earlier, that would be that would be fun. But uh, we didn't. We avoided that hypothetical scenario. To answer, we the, just kick it down the road. Yeah, to answer, <laughs> answer the question, then it would be Slavkovsky three, and it'd be close between Wright and Fantilli four five for me. I'm guessing I would lean towards Wright, but it would be really close between Wright and Fantilli. All right. Uh, who are you targeting at 14 and 30 if you're the Jets? I don't know if we've given Winnipeg a whole lot of uh, airtime on this draft cycle. They're a team with two picks, 14 and 30. Who are you targeting there for them? I, it feels like at 14, they're going to take a center. I, I just, it just feels like there's a, there's, there's going to be, you look at that, you could look at their depth chart. They have good forward prospects in uh, Cole Perfetti, Chaz Lucius, but there's not a whole lot of true centers in the organization. Perfetti's probably an NHL winger. Lucius is probably an NHL winger. So I, I think you're looking at Connor Geeky. You're looking at Noah Oslin. You're looking at Nathan Gaucher. I might be skimming over. Maybe Frank Nazar. I think those are the options you're looking at for Winnipeg there. Dane asks, who do you think will go first or has the best chance of falling? 
I guess we can do both of those. Savoy or Kamel? He had Kamel falling out of the top 10 today. Uh, and on Sam's mock, he had Savoy falling out of the top 10. Who's, who do you think is more likely to fall out of the top 10, Savoy or Kamel? Right. I think when we talked about this issue before, we discussed the three small wingers in the draft high, that was high in the draft. Jonathan Lekromacki, Matthew Savoy, and Joachim Kamel. And I always kind of figured one of those guys are not going to go to the top 10 just based on reality and what teams tend to covet in, in the draft. As we've gotten closer to the draft, I don't get the sense Lekromacki is going to be one of those guys. We just talked about him as a potential sleeper for the top five or six seems to be the guy that has more fans in the National Hockey League right now than Kamel or Savoy. On my last mock, I had Savoy at 11 and Kamel at 7, and I just think people, just history shows teams get scared by size. And Savoy is a hell of a hockey player. He is five foot nine. Uh, he is quite physically mature already for, for his age. You know, he's, when, I, just, I, I, see, I can see teams talking themselves out of him. Matt Rosen says, are there any mitigating factors around Slavkovsky's Liga performance? I get he has a great toolkit, but he produced like a second rounder there this year. The big one that stands out to me is ice time. He was playing on a team that was not easy to get minutes on. But I think this is a fair question as we discuss the context of his season. Yeah, listen, there's, you can make, you can have all the caveats you want. Like, because the reader's asking, you know, TPS was a top team. They went to the finals in Liga. So not any those kind of teams are not easy to get significant ice time on, like Sebastian Ajo, for example, in his draft year it, with Carpat didn't get ma- major minutes, for example. So that happens. But when you're talking about a first overall pick, Sebastian Ajo was a second-round pick. You're, talk- you're talking about a first overall pick. You don't want to hear those excuses. You want to see production. You want to see scoring. You want to see highlight reels. This is not a 15th overall pick we're talking about here. So it's it's... Again, you can make those caveats, the ice time. I've heard the defensive style arguments. And again, he played on a great team. It just sound, it sounds more like excuses to me. I think with both Slavkovsky and Wright, because this discussion has been so close, both are so imperfect players, I feel like a lot of excuses get made for, for both of these players. I think it's except the reality. Slavkovsky is what he is. He's a physical freak. He had a shitty season in, in Liga, and he had incredible international performances between the senior team and the U18 team at the Hlinka. Shane Wright is an excellent all-around player. He had a great season, well below the standards of a first overall pick in the CHL. And he has an incredible prior track record. Those are the facts. Whichever one you prefer, you take. But I hate the excuses that get made for both of these players. Interesting one from J.P. Claremont, who, who wants to know about your top three. He kind of notes that even though you have Wright and Slavkovsky a tier above, Cooley's the one who has above average grades on every tool. Why is that the case? I, I think he's the most talented player in the draft. The concerns there are twofold on him. It's it's the it's the size, and I know people get their backs up when I when people say this. But you're picking high in the draft. Five ten guys better be extremely dynamic. If if you're taking someone who's five foot ten, and he is extremely dynamic, so then the question is, what's the second issue? He didn't produce like someone who's extremely dynamic. You look at the NTDP historical rates, whether it's his entire NTDP season or just his USHL numbers. They're pretty good, but they're but they're not they're nothing special. There's look through the, the history of the NTDP. There's a bunch of guys, sure, at, at the similar scoring rates. So typically, when you're drafting small guys high in the draft, they have to be, you know, usually extremely high scores. Guys who rip up their junior leagues because you figure that when they go to higher levels, there's gonna be some transition issues. They're probably not gonna score at the same rate, but there's but if they're dynamic and they score a lot at the lower levels, they. They'll probably still score in the NHL. But this guy, 
I don't. Th- I think he's better than Clayton Keller, but that's kind of been always the guy that people can keep coming back to when that aren't big on Cooley. I know some scouts who wouldn't take him in the top three, for example. But that argument comes back is, I just think he's going to be another Clayton Keller. He'll be a 50, 60 point forward. I'm not 100% convinced he's going to actually be able to stick at center. Not a whole lot of centers in the NHL look like him. So I think that's where the hesitancy come in. But there's no doubt he is the most talented, dynamic player in this draft. He was the most fun player to watch in this draft on a given night. There is no question in my mind about that fact. But there are, ser- just like with Wright and with Slavkovsky, there are serious risk elements on his profile too. Last one here is from Aaron Bard, who wants to know about Rucker McGroarty. He says he's seen him anywhere from the mid-teens to the early second round in mocks and player rankings. Why is he polarizing, and where do you see him going? Obviously, in your mock, I think he was a 25, 24, 25 today. Yeah, I think those divided opinions exist in NHL circles, I believe, too. And you've watched him a ton. You know it, it comes down to those feet, essentially. Everything else about his game is, is great. You know, he's got the great skill, hockey sense. He can shoot it. He's extremely competitive. Um, plays his heart out every night. Just a uh, really awkward skater. I think it's gotten better from where it was a year ago, but it's still an issue. And when I talk to teams that are not in on him, they just they don't don't buy the feet. They just think this is another Tyson Forster, Bobby Brink type of prospect. Who some still believe in both of those guys, mind you, but they just think his skating is just so bad. That is not going to work. But the people who are big fans say, listen, Jason Robertson couldn't skate a lick either. And you know, he's, he, he had the great brain and, and the competitiveness and the skill and the scoring ability. And he turned out really well. And I, I think that's why there's kind of this gap on McGroarty at the moment. All right. That's going to do it for us today from Montreal. Uh, enjoy the draft, everybody. Tomorrow night, you can subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, for a dollar a month right now and get access to all of our great draft coverage from around the league, every team. And of course, Corey's going to have his complete analysis along with Scott Wheeler on each team's drafts. Enjoy the show, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.